So I wanted to take a short break, actually not a break. We've been in the journey through uh, the book of James, and uh, I wanted to talk on something that I haven't been able to get out of my head for the last three weeks in relation to just one phrase in James. And, uh, and then we're going to unpack that a little bit, and then next week we finish off our James series, and then we've got some exciting uh, seven series coming and some new people preaching and those sorts of things which we can't wait for. Um, just by, uh, before I get onto that, uh, you can go back to that, thanks Sadiwa. I just wanted to give a quick uh, comment on the Hope Kids Camp. Uh, there is a sign up at the back, it's for grade ones to grade sevens, and is this mic fine, I think? It's all right, great. Um, so it's grade ones to sevens, uh, the 4th of December, um, we would love to see you there. It's available for um, people at Hope Kids. Sign up at the back. It's going to be dynamite. There's some exciting things planned, um, so we would love you to get on that. That is the 4th of December, so sign up there afterwards. Okay, so uh, we are going to get stuck in. Uh, if you are here for the baptism service and family and friends have invited you, please feel at home. We can't wait. It's going to happen after the service. So all of us after the service is one of the highlights of our church calendar are going to head down to the pool. It takes about 10 to 15 minutes. We've got about nine people being baptized from young all the way up to older, and we just can't wait. So uh, please join us for that. And if you're here and you've been invited by family and friends, you're so welcome amongst us. So I titled this Mist, Making the Most of Our Short Lives on Earth. And this comes out of James. And as I said, I just haven't been able to shake that word mist from my heart. So I thought, well, we, we, we've just got to go to it. This is what he says in James 4 verse 14. We've actually spoken on that passage. We looked into it last week. But he says this one little bit when it comes to planning of our lives, what we're going to do with our lives, what are we going to um, make happen in our lives. And this is what he says um, to plans and all those sorts of things. He says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? What's my life? For you are or we are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And so he uses this word mist to talk about the shortness of life on earth for each of us. We might think it's long if we make it to 80 or 90, but actually even that is really short compared to all eternity. And a mist, I mean, I love seeing it. I remember the drives to... Uh, I grew up at Lemington, uh, Lemington Road, Greystone Park. I remember the drive down on the way to school, and as you hit the bottom of the flay, often in winter, it was just covered in this blanket of mist. But a, a few moments later, it, is com it had completely lifted. And so we see this mist, and then it disappears almost as quick as we see it. And that's, James is trying to get across the picture that that's what our lives are like. We might think we have all the time, but actually, they're here one moment and gone the next. The Waldometer. I just checked it this morning so I could get an up-to-date one. You can click to the next. Thanks. So obviously, this is just changing all the time. This was this morning's one, and it's kind of an estimate, but they try hard. Um, and current world population, I know it's over 8 billion, and I was just amazed at this. There's obviously a net growth at the bottom, but the births and deaths today, so just today from when I looked, had been an estimated 19,000. And obviously that's just ticking over. And so you have the births and deaths as you watch this worldometer. And the births are going a little bit faster, obviously. But it's the sense that every moment someone's being born, someone's dying. Someone's being born, someone's dying. And uh, it's happening all over the world all the time. And it shows the mist that is our lives. Somebody's celebrating a new birth right now as I speak. Somebody's mourning a death right now as I speak. 
And that's happening all the time. It might not be for us in this room at this instant. It could be, but it's happening all the time. And so our life on earth is incredibly fragile, and each day I want us to consider it as precious. It's precious. We don't know whether we have tomorrow. And so the question, um, as always, should be, well, how do I make the most of this mist that I do have, these days that I do have? How do I make the most of it? And if you're here today and you're exploring faith, you don't know where you stand with God. You're not sure. Maybe at the moment you've walked in and you're going, actually, I think I've got it all together. Sometime when I die, I just float high with the angels and I, I, somehow I'll make it to God. It's not what scripture says, but quite often we can believe that. Maybe that's sort of where you're at and, and you're sort of thinking that at the moment. Um, but exploring faith is a vital uh, thing to explore. What's the purpose of my life? Where did I come from? Why am I here? When I die, where am I going? At youth on Friday, uh, we had four teenagers who gave their lives to Christ. It was so exciting. Um, and uh, I mean, much cause for celebration. But one that I was chatting to afterwards uh, is still sort of exploring and journeying. And he says, well, I need to research and I want to get stuck into the Bible. And I just said to him, the wisest thing you can do is to research. Where did you come from? Why are you here? Where are you going? Of all life's things to research. That's what, if you're the most intelligent person in the room, the most amount of PhDs, that you should devote your life to those three questions. That's the wisest thing to do and to explore those answers. And so if you're here and you're, you're exploring faith, I wanna encourage you to dive deeply into those questions. If you're a Christ follower and you've never bothered to explore that, explore those as well. They're important life questions to ask. So to help us on this journey um, of purpose that we're gonna look at, how we make the most of our mist, um, I'm actually gonna share for a short bit on something uh, on a video Bible study topic I did for Right Now Media. I've shared this a little bit before, but I've never done it in a preach, and I was so excited to do it because I've been really just thinking through this um, as I did the prep. And so it really helps us to see our mist the shortness of our life, and to make the most of it in a practical way. And so, mist, a funny little thing, but there's something special about it. And uh, I haven't spoken, at least in this context, as I said, or others, about one of the key things that comes with mist is this thing that we see called a rainbow. And uh, I don't think there's any man, there's another great picture of it, I don't think there's any person, at least that I know, who looks at a rainbow and just says, that's just such an ugly sight or looks at it in a thunderstorm and just says, man, I don't want a picture of that, or I've just seen another rainbow. I, it doesn't matter whether you're a macho guy who likes rugby, um, or whether you're a lady, or whatever it is, I just think there's something captivating about a rainbow. It brings joy, it brings wonder, and it was a symbol of God's promise to his people that he would never again flood the earth, a bow in the sky when the great flood happened. And so he used the rainbow as that. It shows the power and the majesty of God. And the thing that saddens me so much about it is that actually the whole meaning and purpose of a rainbow has been absolutely torn apart and distorted in the world in which we live. And I'd love to see that turned upside down again from today. Um, it's, it's been absolutely twisted um, and it represents a movement away from God's design, away from God's design for sexuality. And I'm passionate about seeing it represented as the promise that it should be. And as a side note on that, I know we live in the world, in fact, I was just seeing pictures where the LGBTQ offices in Zim are really going all out now. There's amazing huge banners of rainbows and the walls are all colored. It's been here for a while, but it's really on the front end. We've got lots of NGOs supporting uh, education and pushing through education, um, the sexuality agenda and those sorts of things. But just on that topic, 
if you're here today, and I've spoken to many men um, over the years who grapple with same-sex attraction and those sorts of things. I know ladies deal with it as well. If you're in that place, um, I would love you to come and chat to us. I'd love this to be something as church that we can speak about because we believe God's got a purpose for our lives. We believe he maps out our sexuality, that it's clear according to scripture, and, and we wanna talk about this. And so if you're sitting and going, I don't know where God stands on this, um, we, we would love to have that discussion or where you stand. But back to the illustration. How do we get a rainbow? Now, people who enjoy physics and those sorts of things would already know this, but because I didn't enjoy it as much, I did some great research on this. Um, but it begins with light. And light is this wonderful and mysterious thing. And it's by light that we enjoy everything we see. It's by light that all of us can obviously see each other now. Um, it's where we're going. It's how we can read uh, the things that we are reading and the words and seeing the pictures. And so Isaac Newton was the first man to demonstrate that white light that everybody thought was the only real light that existed, just white light. He was the first one to demonstrate that actually white light within it considers all the colors that you and I see that it's actually got multiple colors traveling at different wavelengths. And this means the color's actually a property of light. We don't always think it like that. We think it's maybe a quality of fabric and those sorts of things, but, but color's actually a property of light, which is astounding. So uh, colored objects don't generate light on their own, what I'm wearing. It doesn't generate light on its own. It actually absorbs and directs away different wavelengths, and that's how we see the color in it. And we struggle to see these colors of light unless light is dispersed through a medium of greater density than air. So you can see that in a prism. I bought one of these because I was so fascinated. That's not my hand, but uh, I do have one. And I love to, to do this and to, and to play around with this prism and to, and to get down to the bottom of it. And so when light travels through mist, through raindrops, when it travels through a prism and it refracts because it's denser than air, we start to see that as white light refracts, we actually see all the color within it. And so Newton designated seven colors to the rainbow, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. So if we were to break down this illustration, we've got white light, light that we see, and from that, that light shines on an object or particles, mist um, and, uh, or, or a prism, and it refracts in this light disperse, disperses, and then it heads out from that object, heads out from the particles, or heads out from a prism, and it expands and it impacts the world in which we see. So I wanna turn this lesson into something spiritual today that I trust helps each of us make the most of our lives on earth, because there's something really interesting about light, and this is what we'll see now. 1 John 1 verse 5 in a spiritual sense, God refers to himself as light. So this is spiritually, it's not physically, but he says, this is the message we've heard, this is John writing, and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So this is speaking spiritually, it's not speaking about physical light, but it's saying that God's everything good in the world. There's no evil in him. He is perfect every day. Maybe you're not a Christ follower here today, and you're going, but actually the world's quite a good place, people are quite good, they're, you know, they're not necessarily that evil. Actually, the only good in the world is by virtue of God's presence here, the overflow of his goodness. If he was to remove himself from the world in which we live, we have nothing good left. He's perfect in every way. But then there's a physical element of God to do with light as well. Look at this. If we go to the next one, I love this. So Revelation 21, 23, this is John writing in a vision he had. He says the city, this is, if you're Christ follows where we're gonna be and celebrate one day, has no need of sun, or moon to shine on it, 
for the glory of God, just what emanates from God's presence, gives light, and its lamp is the lamb. So we've got the spiritual sense of light, but actually God in, in and of himself, when we get to heaven one day, there's no sun, there's no moon, just by nature of his glory, he gives off this light so we see everything around us. I love it. So actually physically, he also does it. Um, the writer um, of Revelation, John, also says, I think if you click to the next one, I might have put it there. No, I didn't. So don't worry. Uh, he says in uh, Revelation 1, he has a vision of Jesus and he says, Jesus' face shone like the brilliance of the sun. So spiritually, he's light in the darkness, but physically as well, there's, a, there, there's this light that comes from God as well. So the sun or light is the most brilliant reminder of God's perfection and his purity. The good news of Jesus dying on the cross for your sin and mine is often referred to in scripture as light, the light of the gospel. It invades the darkness of our hearts and the evil of this world. And speaking about the spiritual light of the gospel, look at what Paul says this gospel light. You can click to the next one, thanks to you. Look at this, what he says. He's talking to the Corinthian church. He talks first to people who don't know Christ. He says, in their case, the God, small g, of this world, Satan, he is very real in the world today. I spoke a bit about this last week, uh, but we can easily go this world. There's a nice God there, but nothing else. No, there's an enemy, Satan. He is dead set on stealing, killing, destroying, and preventing us from making a decision to follow Jesus. He's dead set on it. He would love to see your life ruined and for you to make bad choices and to end up in hell forever. He would love it. So he exists. He does. So he's blinded the minds of unbelievers. Look at this to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who's the image of God. And then talking to Christ followers, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants. And if you click to the next part, um, for God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Big words long sentences. Paul did that. And so if you weren't good at English, you might struggle. But God's light shines towards us, to each of us, whether we've made a decision to follow Jesus or not, his light shines. And as that happens, you and I have an opportunity, which is over there, to reject or to receive the light of the gospel today. If you're not a believer, if you're exploring faith, you have an opportunity today to respond to the light of the gospel, to receive the truth of Jesus. If we reject the good news of Jesus, we act like an object that the sun can't penetrate. Not a prism, not a droplet of water. We act like something that just bounces that light off our heart. It's just closed and blocked off to God. He can't penetrate. But if we receive the good news of Jesus, we're like this droplet of water or a prism that allows light to enter. You see, the believer and the unbeliever alike can see God's creative beauty. We can see his goodness, but it's only when we accept Christ when we believe he's the true source of life, when we allow his gospel to penetrate our hearts, that we become new creations. We're born again. And baptism, what we're doing after the service, baptisms for people who've already given their lives to Christ. What we're demonstrating is that his light has penetrated those people's hearts. They already know Jesus and they're showing that they died to their old way of living and they were risen again to life in Christ. It's such a special moment. And uh, we, we see this, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. If you become a Christ follower, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. You receive the light. Your old way of life has passed away and your new way of life has come. And as this happens, as you receive what God does for you in your heart, this rainbow effect, this dispersion of light starts to happen in your heart. 
just as it does in a prism, just as it happens in a rainbow, in a, in a droplet. The Lord begins to bring change in our lives. He challenges us to live more like Him. Jesus begins to shape and to mold us into the people He created us to be. He gets to work on each area of your life and mine, from our priorities to our careers, our marriages, and our health. We start to live differently. We start to pursue Christ wholeheartedly. We fix our eyes on things of eternal value. Maybe you're here today and you're going, but I, I'm sure that I'm a Christ follower. Do you know how you know that you're a Christ follower? It's not based on what we do, but what we do is a great indicator of whether we know Christ or not. If we want to follow him, it's a good indicator. So if we're sitting here today and you're going, you know what, Craig? I mean, it's, it's just great. I believe in Jesus, but I love getting hammered on Friday and Saturday nights. It would be an indicator to you that you might think that you know Jesus, but you probably don't. And that's because if you did know Jesus, Jesus would go, hey, I've got nothing wrong with you having a glass of wine or whichever else, but drunkenness, that's not something that I have for you. Why? Because it confuses you, makes you make unwise choices, all those sorts of things. So actually, I have a different way for you to live. And so you'd be challenged by that if Christ is in your heart. Maybe you're in areas of sexuality, living together before you're married, those sorts of things. You'd be challenged by God. You start to make life changes based on the fact that he's working in your heart. And if you're sitting going, ah, couldn't care less. Doesn't faze me. God says this, I'm going to do opposite. It's quite a good indicator that maybe he hasn't yet transformed your heart or he's working on transforming you. And there's a process to that. So he starts to mold and shape us and we can challenge ourselves in this area. And it doesn't happen accidentally. We have to let God change us. We're very good at people at controlling certain areas of our lives or letting him change all of this in our lives but not this one little part, God. I'm happy for you to work in these areas, but this area I'm gonna do on my own. We love to do that. We love to hold on to little parts of our hearts and our lives that we don't wanna allow him to change. That could be any area, sexuality, money, marriage, the list goes on. We've gotta to listen to his voice and we have to be intentional. And so you might say, well, Craig, how? Can you give me some practical ways of doing this? And I do love being practical because otherwise I wouldn't do anything that I should. Um, but you could say, how do we do this? How, how do I see my weak spots? How do I see the mess that's in my life? How do I navigate areas to work on? Well, there's not a perfect system. There's never going to be. All of us are different. And if there was, we would be robots. People often say, um, and point to the mess of the world and just say, isn't that proof that God doesn't exist? Or if he's loving, he's like, too weak to do anything about it. And actually, the mess of the world proves that we're not robots. The mess of the world proves that God's given us choice. He lets us make decisions. Because if he didn't, there would be no choice to follow him and no choice to reject him. And so we have decisions and we can make good decisions. We can make bad decisions. But over the years, and because the rainbow helps us in this, I've split up life into seven key areas. And there might be better ways. And if you've thought of better ways, please come and tell me that as well. You might find a better way to do this. But anyway, I have this as a rough guide to help me see where am I doing, how am I doing in life? Where do I need to improve and to ask those questions? So we're going to go through these quickly in, in the last sort of few minutes together. The first area of life when it comes to God changing our hearts, faith. It's the foundation of everything that you and I do. If you haven't yet made a decision to follow Jesus here today, I'm gonna to give you an opportunity at the end of the service. So get ready for that. Maybe your heart's already racing a bit now and you're going, I don't know where I stand with God, but I might need to make a decision. Make it today. I'll give you that chance to follow Christ today. The apostle Paul wrote, 
And in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2, he said, I resolved to know nothing except Jesus and him crucified. I spoke to the people getting baptized today. And I said to them, the proof that your baptism means something, the proof that actually God's drawing you to this in your heart is that when you nail your colors to the mast at the pool and you tell everybody God's changed my heart, that people will see a difference in you. That's the proof that it's real, that you've resolved, you've decided to follow Jesus more than anything else. So the question we can ask ourselves is how are you and I doing in that area of life? How are we? Is Jesus a priority or is he just one of the other things that we do? Is following him something that we do when we got time for it, when there isn't fishing, when there isn't sport, when there isn't holidays, when there isn't, you know, kids sport and the list goes on, or is he actually priority? We can ask ourselves those questions. We're great. I mean, Roxy mentioned this about things to give up. Can I tell you, we are great at getting to gym, a lot better probably at getting to gym than spending time with Jesus. Now, gym's a great thing. We'll speak about that just now. But we have priorities in life. Is Jesus the primary? Second one, people. If our relationships with others aren't as healthy as they could be, how can we improve them? Look at what uh, scripture says in John 13, verse 34. Jesus said, I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, also you love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, those words are such a challenge because we're on display if we call ourselves Christ followers. And people are looking and they're going, well, you're saying you're a Christ follower. Maybe you attend Hope Church or another church. And uh, how do you love people? Because Jesus loved people. And so we should be known by the most love, as the most loving people that there are. That's what people should know as Christ followers. They should say, man, that person is the most forgiving, the most loving, the most patient person I've come across. And that's hard. And so we need to ask God to help us in that area. We want to make sure that our relationships with our spouses, with our children, with our parents, with our work colleagues are the best that they can be. And so ask that question. Maybe ask someone close to you. I mean, if you're really brave, ask your spouse. If you're really brave, just say, hey, listen, can I improve in this area? <laughs> and then be ready for the honest answer. <laughs> so you, you can ask those questions. But, but ask people, someone you respect, a great friend, say, hey, can I improve in this area? We want to be great in that aspect. You can check in. Next one, routine. Uh, we've, we've got a few of these. Psalm 127 verse 2. It's in vain that you rise up early and go to bed late, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he, God, gives his beloved sleep. God's never hurried or late. He's exactly on time. There's never a day when he does not get done what should get done. God gets done everything in the day that should get done according to God. But we live in a culture where a busy life is like a badge of honor. But can I say that an effective life should be a badge of honor? Not busyness, but how effective was my day? How effective was my week? So how are you doing when it comes to living with order and process? Ask God to show you this, to put in the diary what he wants you to put in the diary. We need to make sure that our lives aren't so rigid that the Holy Spirit has no room to invade our schedules. But if we can't manage our lives well, we will never be able to live for Jesus well. Never. We'll be racing from one thing to the other. We'll be permanently living in a state of busyness. So don't allow busyness or laziness to creep into your lives. Place the right things in the diary. Don't allow clutter to build up. I'm speaking to myself on this because it's probably one of the very weak areas of my life. We can have a heart to follow Jesus and to love others, but if we struggle with routine, we'll really find that 
incredibly difficult. So think about that. Ask God to help you in that process. Next one, health. We only have one body and it's getting older every second. Just think about that. One body and we're never going to get to redo it. No amount of plastic surgery, gym, anything like that. We are getting older every day. So thank you for getting older with me this morning. It's amazing. Getting older together. (laughs) If we want to be effective for Jesus, we want to ensure that our bodies are functioning as well as they can. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. Complications arise. We get sick. That's part of the frailty of life on earth. But take a moment to check in and just see how you're honoring God with your diet, with your exercise, with rest, and maybe you can make some changes somewhere. You'll be more effective for God. You should probably speak to others on this, uh, Pete Morrisby's, you know, Dave McQuaid's, other fitness people rather than me, but speak to somebody about this uh, area of fitness and I'll try and improve too. Last few, serving. Jesus set the most incredible example of what it means to serve. Look at what he said here, Matthew 20, verse 26 to 28. It shall not be so among you, but whoever should be great among you must be your servant. Whoever should be first among you must be your slave. Even the Son of Man, Jesus, came not to be served but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. How are we doing when it comes to joyously serving others? I'm not just talking about a church context. I'm talking about our lives. Do we love to serve or do we like to be served? Service means putting the needs of others before our own. It could be involvement in church life, caring for people in need, just stepping up to the plate when there's a crisis. But how are you and I doing John Wesley, he said, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. What a great challenge. What a mouthful as well. But let's be people who serve and love to serve. Last two, work. I want us to do actually a faith and work seminar mini conference next year. So businessmen, business ladies, get ready for that. About where does faith and work intertwine, connect? Because it does every day, all the time. It's priority. But before sin entered the world, just so you know, God created Adam to work. Work is a godly thing. It's a good thing. In heaven one day as Christ follows, we're going to work. We worked before sin entered the world. We'll work after sin is squashed. Um, But even though now everything we put our hand to will never be perfect, when we do everything with excellence, it shows the world that we care and it shows our world a little bit of a taste of how God operates. Proverbs 12 verse 11 says, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Our heavenly father will provide for our every need as we faithfully serve him. And Jesus calls you and I to do our work with excellence, with diligence, remember that ultimately we are doing it for God. God honors faithfulness and diligence. And as we work with that in mind, he will bring about increase and growth and provision. So let's be faithful and wise. Allow the Lord to provide for our needs, not necessarily our wants. We're big on wants. We don't like as much needs. But God will give us everything we need. I was actually so happy. I love gadgets. I really do. And finally... The iPad that Sarah and I got, uh, it was 12 years old. Finally, it's given up the ghost. We got a new one. And actually, I love the fact of finally being able to go, this thing is done and dusted. It has done 12 years of hard work. Our girls can't even use it anymore. It's done. 
But we live in this culture where you just have to upgrade a newer car, a bigger house, a newer gadget, new clothes for the wardrobe. We're just in this continual cycle. But why? Let's enjoy the things we have and use them to their fullest. Finally, money. Then we'll close. Money. A few quick verses. Sorry, I'll be about two or three minutes over. Matthew 6, 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus said in Luke 16 verse 10, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. The way that we steward earthly wealth that God gives us will determine what he entrusts us to in the next life. And that life goes on forever. It's the one that we want to focus on. So are you using money as a tool for Jesus' kingdom or is money controlling you? The way in which we manage our money is vitally important. It shows us where our treasure is and in many respects is the first rung in God doing things in our lives. Quite often, people will say to me, it just doesn't feel like I'm connecting with God, doesn't feel like I'm living out my purpose, just feels like life isn't working. I'll often say to people, tell me how you're managing your money. Is God priority in your money or not? And it's the strangest thing. Often when we start to reprioritize our money to where it should be, God sorts out other things in our lives because he knows the hold it can have in our lives. And so if you're dealing with difficulties in life, look at how you're managing your money and just see what God does on the back of that. So those are just some uh, key things. If you quickly go back to the colors, thanks to Jiwa. Um, those, there could be many others that help you or don't help you. I just think that's something quite helpful. Then if you click to that next slide, the next one, um, keep going. Perfect. This is what happens, and I'll close with this. If we let God shine his light on us, and if we receive what he does, if we receive the change in our lives, we let him work on those certain areas of life, what happens as a result, the overflow of what happens, is we impact the world for good. And the verse that I'll close with, Matthew 5, verse 16, is the next one. When we live the way God's called us to, when we're working on different areas of life, this is what happens. In the same way, let your light, that multicolored display of God, as you live out those seven areas of life, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good work, see the way you live, see the way you and I relate to people, relate to God, and they see your good works and they give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It's my prayer as Hope Family that as we make the most of our short lives on earth, this mist, here today, gone tomorrow, for some of us it might be next week, next year, 10 years time, we don't know when it's gonna end. As we allow God to impact us, to change us, our friends and family see this light, they see the purpose in our lives and they say, what is different about you? It points people to Christ. People start to ask us, why do you care about the things you care about? Why do you live for the things that you, that you live for? And it's electric and it allows us to be an example of faith. Shall we stand and pray? I know we're a few minutes over and we're gonna to head to baptisms. I, I said I'd do it at the start of the service. Uh, if you're here today, nobody's looking around, but if you're here today and you know you have not received the light of the gospel, you know that up until this point of time, your heart's been closed off for whatever reason, and right now today you've seen that Jesus lived, he died, 
He rose again. He created everything that we see and he paid the price for your sin. We can never be right with God on our own. We can't earn our way into heaven. We receive what he did for us on the cross. And as we receive it, he changes us from the inside out. If that's you and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, if you've never made a decision to to put your life right with him, to come and say, God, I'm sorry, I've lived on my own. I now wanna live for you. I'd love you to pop up your hand. No one's looking around, um, but, but, but I'd love you to do that in a sort of a bold, courageous move to say, yes, God, that's me. You've singled me out from the crowd. If that's you today, I'd love you to pop up your hand. I'd love you to be bold. I'd love you to be brave. Everyone else's eyes are, eyes, are, eyes are down. If that's you and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I'd love you to pop up your hand this morning. Anyone today? Anyone at all? Somebody, that's great. I see your hand. Thank you so much. Thanks for your bravery there, your courage. Anyone else? Anyone else today? You'll know your heart's racing. It'll be racing now. Maybe feel a little bit uncomfortable. That's the Holy Spirit who's just great at bringing us to a point of following Jesus. Anyone else here today? Nobody's looking around, but I have seen someone that's amazing. Thank you for your courage. Anyone else? Anyone else today? Okay, that is amazing. You put your hand down. Thank you so much. Uh, For that person who raised their hand, we're gonna celebrate with you just now, but uh, you can just right now in your heart, in fact, we can all just do this together for the sake of that person. Sometimes it's great for us to just say that, say it out together. We'll, we'll do it and we're just doing this to, to help you and it's so good to confess with our mouths. So you guys could just say this after me. Lord Jesus, thank you that you died and rose again. Thank you that you paid the price for my sin. I believe in you today. Would you come into my heart? Change me from the inside out. Make me into a new creation. Thank you that right now I become your child. Thank you that the old is gone. And thank you that I get to live with you from this moment. And that heaven is home. Thank you that I'll never be the same. In your name we pray. Amen. Can we give that person a clap? I'm so excited. That's so special. Lord Jesus, for the rest of us, I pray we would be people who make the mist of our lives count for all eternity. If there's areas of our lives we need to work on, one of those areas we've mentioned or others, would you help us? Would you help us to be courageous? Would we open ourselves to you, Holy Spirit? Would we be people who live with an eternal perspective, sold out for you, focused on the things we should be focusing on, that ultimately our light, that multicolored display of your kingdom would lead friends and family who don't know you to look at our lives and go, there's something different. We want to know where that comes from, that they would see you in us. Your name we pray. Amen. Amen.